All right, let's go to the words. Open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 to 33. This is a great passage. It's the single longest, more detailed passage on husbands, wives, marital relationships. But we're going to see today it's about way more than that. It's also just about what makes a woman and a man feel loved. So whether you are single, married, divorced, widowed, doesn't matter. I want you to listen up today because you're going to learn some principles from God, not from Dale, but from God, that are going to help you learn how to love, not just moms, but how to love women, okay? So pray with me. Father, thank you for your word, and I pray that, Lord, as we move into this uh, two-week a two-week focus on verses 22 to 33, that you would teach us as men today, teach us as women next week. How to better love one another. That's my prayer in Christ's name. Amen. You know, God has a plan for every single relationship in your life. That's why we're calling this next section of the book of Ephesians, Relate. We're going to be talking about family. We're going to be talking about relationships at work and in all of life. In fact, the, the, over the coming weeks, let me just give you a heads up. We're going to look at God's wisdom for men relating to women, especially wives, but more than just wives, on women relating to men, that's next week. I could have talked about how women ought to behave better this week, but I kind of thought Mother's Day, let's take the men first. Was that wise or not? Yeah, even I'm not that stupid. Okay, we're going to talk about kids relating to parents and parents relating to kids and relationships on the job. Whether you are the boss or whether you work for the company doesn't matter. We're going to look at all of those relationships. But first of all, today, without a doubt, is Mother's Day. So happy Mother's Day. Say happy Mother's Day. <laughs> and today we're going to explore God's wisdom for guys. Wisdom about women. Wisdom about understanding women. Now I know this passage over the next two weeks is directed toward husbands and wives. But we're going to direct our attention today. Uh, it is about marriage. But like I've said, it's really about the wisdom of what makes women feel loved. Now, some of you probably think, you know, Dale, I really don't need this. I kind of already understand women. <laughs> You're free to leave. <laughs> so far, nobody's moving. <sighs> well, if you really understand women, you should come up and I'll let you do the sermon. But the fact of the matter is, I don't understand women myself. At least I've struggled over the years to do that. And I got a lot of women years under my belt. I kind of was counting them up this way. Okay, I've been married for almost 42 years to one woman that I've needed to try to understand. I've raised two daughters. If you combine their ages, that's another 66 years of parenting two women. If you total that up, i got 108 years of woman time. And that's not even counting the time I spent with my own mom or my own sister who drove me crazy or the mother-in-laws or daughter-in-laws, that is, daughter-in-laws in my life. So I'm somewhere way over, way over 150 years of woman time. And I'm still trying to figure it out. That's not even counting one female dog with eight pups. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But today, we're not going to talk about what Dale's figured out because the first thing I figured out was I would never figure it out. 
Because the reason I don't understand women, women as well as I should is I'm not one. So I thought it would be better to go to the source of wisdom on women. Now, who do you think understands women better than anyone in the universe? The creator of women. So we're not going to go back and talk today or next week about how people used to do marriage 30 years ago, 40 years ago, 50 years ago. We're going to study how to do marriage, which is the most intimate of love relationships. We're going to study how to make that love alive. But we're going to go back in time to the beginning of womanhood, to the beginning of manhood, to the creation account itself, to look at what does God as the creator of male and female, how does he understand the sexes? How does he understand our uniqueness? How does he understand what makes us feel loved? So let's go. I've given you an outline which will provide. You can fill in a little diagram. I'm a diagram guy, so I'm going to build one for you today. But it begins with an overview. So let's get the big picture. The big picture begins, Ephesians 5, to 33, is a section in which intertwined in these verses in these 12 verses are intertwined instructions for women instructions for men instructions for women instructions for men and then it ends in verse 33 with a summary of instructions for both of us verse 33 will say this for example look at the end of the passage and then we'll go back nevertheless each individual among you also is to love his is to love his own wife even as himself and the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. That in the essence of everything we're going to learn, it's these two big ideas. Men need to learn to love their wives as they love themselves. As you love your own body. That's the big idea. And women need to understand how to love a man by giving him respect. Women yearn for a caring, loving husband Men yearn for respect and trust. Two very different concepts, but both are expressions of love. That's the big idea. That's the overview. Now let's read the passage, and then we're going to uh, make some comments on the context, and then we're going to take it apart. Here we go. Wives. This is probably the verse I chose not to start with today, but I'm not afraid of this verse. It's from God, and we will study it next week. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church. He himself, now notice this, he himself being the big boss. Is that what it says? Look at your Bibles. He himself being the Savior, the sacrifice, the Savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also wives ought to be to their own husbands in everything. That's next week's passage, part of it. Husbands, now, here we go. Husbands, here's some wisdom for you. You love your wives just as Christ also loved the church, gave himself up for her, so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church 
in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and blameless. So husbands, you ought also to love your own wives as love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but he nourishes and cherishes it. Underline those words. We'll come back to that. Just as Christ also does the church. Because we are, the, we are members of his body. For this reason, by the way, a man, and he quotes the Old Testament creation of marriage, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Talking about sexual intimacy. This mystery is great because, but I'm speaking with reference to Christ in the church at the same time that I'm speaking about husbands and wives. It's also Christ in the church. Nevertheless, and there's the final summary verse, each individual among you also is to love his own wife even as himself, and the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. So that's the big idea. Now before we begin to break this down and study uh, the differences in men and women and how they feel loved, I want you to make two quick observations. Number one is don't leave the context behind. In other words, always remember this section of Ephesians follows a bigger section. And that bigger section began in chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, where he says this in 5.1, look at it, Therefore, all of you, men and women alike, be imitators of God, beloved children of God, walk in love, just as Christ loved you, and gave himself up for you, an offering, a sacrifice to God, as a fragrant aroma. So recognize that the context of this is how do you love? Get that? It's how do you love? And then also recognize, as he moves closer to this passage, uh, last week, and uh, we looked at chapter 5, verse 18, where he says, look, and make sure before you try to do any of this, be filled with God's Spirit. Walk in the power of the Spirit of God, because you cannot do this on your own. Be filled with God's Spirit, and what happens? Three things. Last week, you should know this. You become more joyful, you become more thankful, and verse 21, the immediate context of today's passage says this, and you should be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Out of your respect for Jesus Christ, that's what that word fear means, out of your respect for Jesus Christ, you should subject yourself to one another. I would translate it this way. You should have a servant spirit toward one another. A humble, how can I better serve you spirit toward one another. Male and female doesn't matter. Now, as you begin to live out these relationships filled with God's spirit, trying to love like Jesus loved us, now he says, now let me get now, now let's go from the general ideas to the more specific relationships. And over the weeks to come, now he'll apply this how do you love and how do you serve one another appropriately in the context of marriage, in the context of parenting, and in the context of the workplace. But it's, they're all set up by this verse. Don't leave the context behind. Number two, don't forget, before you delve into this week and next week, especially next week, God's truth always challenges every culture. Now, I teach this stuff all around the world. I have a chance to teach these principles in South America, in Asia, and a lot recently in Africa. I teach them in the U.S. And here's what I'm learning. Every culture in the world is screwed up. 
And that includes America. So some of you think, well, yeah, Americans have their problems. Let me tell you something. Every culture is out of touch with God. Left on its own, every culture is a non-Christian culture. Every culture is out of sync with the way we were created to live and to love. Every culture's think, thoughts about men and women and, and who's the best and who needs to be fixed by the other one. Every culture is wrong. And even in my lifetime, I've seen the American culture be wrong. I've seen it be wrong in the 1950s when everything was like, you know, women just stay home and just, just stay in the kitchen and have babies and pretty much let the men make all the decisions and you keep your mouth shut. That was the image of the culture, at least in the 1950s, right? Because father knows best. And some of you are not old enough to know that, you know, whatever. But, you know, uh, even my three sons did pretty well even without a mom, you know, because they had a loving dad. You know, so, so, so the idea, or was that, is that my three sons? Yeah, my three sons. Yeah, you know, so the, the reality is the culture back then did not fully respect women. And I grew up in that culture. Today I look at our culture, and I think our culture does not give enough respect to men. I think men are always related to. Watch any sitcom today, and it's the men that will be the doofuses and the women will be trying to fix them. You know, and the idea of a, of a healthy relationship where a man and a woman really love one another like Jesus loves, but yet they, 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 they understand that they're different. And men and women are allowed to be different, treated as equal, allowed to be different, but yet have unique roles that God gives us. You don't see that portrayed anywhere except in God's Word. So as we study it this week and even next week, Here's what you need to remember about culture and truth. Here it is. God's truth challenges every culture. Therefore, what is our goal as the church? Our goal is to follow Jesus, creating a new culture, following a new king, and expanding his kingdom. I want you to think about that. So as we study things like sexuality, and we study things like men and women and marriage and marital roles, and whoo, and what in the world does it mean when it talks about submission, or what does that mean, what does that not mean? Next week I'll tell you what it does not mean, and I'll tell you what it means. So you've got to come next week. But also, as we think about men and how to love the women in our lives, uh, we're not trying to identify with any culture except the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom of Christ has a different king and a different approach to life given to us by our Creator. And our goal is to be part of the kingdom of Christ even though we live in different cultures around the world. And I've got to deliver this message in Africa and I've got to deliver this message in the U.S. because every culture is screwed up when it comes to trying to reflect the image of God. So whenever I'm teaching something today and you think, well, I don't, believe, I don't believe people that, I don't think people today think that way. You are right. But get over it. Because if you want to build your life according to the culture, you're in trouble, whether you're in Africa or America. So we are followers of a different king building a different culture that reflects a different kingdom. So I just wanted to kind of call out the obvious before we dive in. So let's take the rest of our time today, and we're going to come back to this next week. And talk about two things. What are God's wisdom for all of us, very briefly? And then what's some specific wisdom for men that they can use on Mother's Day with not just moms, but every woman in their life? Number one, God's wisdom for all of us. I just read the passage, Ephesians 5, 22 to 33. But I want you to notice that when I said don't leave the, the uh, context behind, 
uh, here's what we're going to do. I, I love diagrams, so we're going to kind of build this diagram out that you'll see on the screen, and you can take some notes if you want to help you. But the diagram basically needs to look this way. It's all about what makes men and women feel loved. And what do we learn from Scripture to reflect that, okay? Now, here's the deal. In the very middle of my diagram, write these words, serve one another, and actually change the reference to Ephesians 5.21 in this case. That's my mistake, by the way, not the PowerPoint people. I, I wrote it wrong. 5.21. Because in Ephesians 5.21, he says that when you are filled with God's Spirit, men and women need to learn to subject themselves to one another in the fear of Christ. So out of the respect you have for Jesus, we are all about being servants of one another. You can find this elsewhere in Scripture, too. Write down, uh, in fact, I've given it to you maybe in your outline, but write down uh, Philippians chapter 2, Philippians chapter 2, two, 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 two verses 3 through 8. Philippians three, 2, 3 through 8 says, Have this spirit in you that was also in Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God, although he was God, he didn't consider that a thing to be held onto or bragged about or grasped, but he surrendered himself, taking on the role of a bondservant even dying on a cross, giving his life for us. See, that's the spirit of a husband or a wife, is how can I serve you? Now, what I discovered is if I'm going to take the role of a servant, then I need to ask some questions. I need to, I need to begin to think, wait a minute, so what makes her feel loved? Because I need to learn how to speak her love language, not mine. You know, when a servant is taking care of someone else, uh, they need to understand what that person needs, right? I mean, if you have a waiter in a restaurant and they come to your table and they're there to serve you, they don't say, hey, guess what? No need to order today. I've already picked out your meal because I've got a favorite on the menu and it'll be out in a minute. You'd say, whoa, 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 time out. No, no, no. You, let me tell you what I want. So what we realize is this, and we'll fill out the diagram with this, that he needs to speak her love language because when he speaks her love language, she feels love. And then she needs to learn to speak his love language because when she speaks his love language, he feels loved. Does that make sense? And what this does is it sets up a, a circle or a cycle. Why do I draw this in the diagram? It's because it feeds on itself. Because, and God wants each of us to learn our side of the diagram. In other words, as I learn what makes Becky feel loved, uh, and when I give her her love language... She feels loved, which, guess what? Does that make it easier or harder for her to begin to love me? Easier, right? So as I speak her love languages and she begins to feel loved, it's easier for her to speak my love languages and help me feel loved. But if she gives me what she wants and I give her what I want, then this diagram comes to a screeching halt. So just get that idea in your mind as we move into today's passage okay so let's talk about guys and how they can learn some wisdom from god about women here we go listen again to the heart of this passage beginning in verse 25 pick it up in verse 25 he said he has two big metaphors that he unpacks number one husbands love your wives just as christ loved the church and gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify her you might help her grow and become all that God wants her to be. Having cleansed her with the washing of water with the word, helping her 
get into the Word of God, helping her to become changed to be more of the woman God has called her to be, so that He might present her to Himself, the church, in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and blameless. And He gets onto this imagery of how Jesus loves us because He wants us to be changed. He wants us to grow. He wants us to mature. But in order to do that, he had to sacrifice himself on a cross. And he says, that is your number one metaphor for how to love a woman. So here's what we pick out of this passage, is, is, two, is one big idea. Women feel loved when you sacrifice for them. When you sacrifice for a woman, when she senses you're giving up your preference, you're giving up what you want, you're sacrificing some of your time, and you're, and you're doing it to let her know how valuable she is. She feels loved. And then he switches to a separate second metaphor, and we'll keep coming back to this. But now in verse 28, So, husbands, ought also to love your wives as their own bodies. Love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Now, that shouldn't be your motive. It's a reality. He's not saying your motive is self-love. He's not saying your motive is, hey, guess what? This is going to be really good for me. So I'm going to, I'm going to throw some love toward Becky because she'll love me back. So it's really all about me. That's not what he's saying. But he is pointing out this, that when you get married, the Bible says that the two become one. Just like Jesus is one with his church, one body, right? Same thing in marriage. The two become one. When it comes to marriage, the Bible clearly teaches one plus one equals one. I know that doesn't make good math, but it makes a good marriage. When I realize, you know, it's not about me and you anymore. It's about us. Everything becomes an us thing, not a you and me thing. And he's just pointing out that, you know, husbands that learn to really love their wives well, you know, you're so intimately connected to this dear lady. It's like loving yourself because happy wife, happy life. There's no doubt that's true. So, you know, loving your wife, investing love in your marriage uh, is just smart. Because if you don't do that, you're hurting yourself as well as your wife. So he's, he's just pointing out the obvious. But don't make it your motive. But it's the reality. Because when husbands love their wives, it's like loving yourself. Verse 29. For no one ever hated his own flesh. You don't hate yourself. But he nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ nourishes and cherishes the church. Because we're members of his body. And then he gives that great verse. You leave your father and mother, the two, you're joined to your wife, and the two become one flesh. So what he's saying is because of the unity in marriage, the intimacy, uh, loving your wife is smart. And again, Jesus is the model. Jesus sacrifices, but now he uses two other words in here. He nourishes and he cherishes. He nourishes her. Bring it back up in bold. Let's talk about nourishing first. What's it mean to nourish? See, when you nourish something, you care for it. You feed it. You provide what it needs to grow and be healthy and protected. Those are nourishment things. And we need to nourish when a wife feels cared for and nourished and, and a husband is saying to her, you know, sweetheart, what do you need? to be healthy? What do you need to grow? What do you want to do with your life? What, what's your dream? How can I help you achieve your dream? See, that's nourishing the wife. 
And we need to all do that. But he goes a step further. He says he doesn't just nourish, he cherishes her. So when you think of cherishing, what's the difference? See, I nourish some things I cherish. That's a whole other level, isn't it? So when you think of the word cherish, some of the women in the room. Now, give me some synonyms for cherished. What's cherished mean to you? What do you think? Treasured? Valued? Adored. That's, that's, I'll stop right there. That's enough pressure on the guys. Okay, yeah. Treasured, valued, adored. Yeah, okay. You know, there's a difference. I've often, when I'm speaking to groups of guys, I still think the best metaphor for me is think of guys love cars, right? So, you know, when you have a company car or, a, or a, you know, or a loaner or, you know, let's say you have a car that, you know, okay, I'm going to drive this for two or three years and I want to trade it in and get another one. See, when it comes time to wash it, what do you do? You get the cheapest car wash you can get. doesn't matter if it's got steel bristles. Just get the dirt off, right, you know, and run it through. Not really steel bristles, but, you know, you just run it through the car wash and you probably pay for the six or eight, six dollar version, not the ten dollar version. Boom, you know, and, and what do you do? Well, yeah, okay, I'll clean it out once a month, maybe if I have to, and, you know, but it's just a car, right? So you nourish it. You'll change the oil. But what if you had your dream car? See? See, what's your dream car, Bill? Sorry, I caught you off, off guard there. Anyone, anyone else? What's your dream car? Ross? Oh, I'm sorry. 63 Corvette. Not very specific, but okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. What color? The red with the white down the edge. Right, okay, I got it. I got it. Yeah, that's a childhood dream of mine, too. Yeah, okay. If you get one of those, let me know. We'll go for a ride. Yeah. Okay, so how do you wash that if you own it? Carefully by hand, soft, lambskin, mitten, hand-dried. That's right. You hug it at the end. Yeah, you put it to bed at night with its own blankie. Right, okay. Yeah, now see, that's cherishing because you value it. It's a treasure. And that is exactly what God calls us as men to do is we need to do the things that communicate to that woman, I treasure you. Now, the reason I say this applies to all women, I think these are the heart love languages of all women. I really believe that. So if you have daughters, they need to know that you treasure them. Treasure them. So I get choked up. Mine just moved to Australia. What a bad daughter she is. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. She's not a bad daughter. But I wish she wasn't in Australia. But, but you know, how do I communicate to her? How do you communicate to any, any, any woman that in your life that, you know, I don't just want to care for you. That's nourishing. I want to do that, sweetie. Believe me, being cared for, being provided for, being this and that, those are love languages also. But the biggest love language is do she feel, does she feel treasured? And if you treasure something, you pay attention to it. You sacrifice for it. Now, we don't have time to study another passage today, but I want to at least challenge you, and you'll go here if you do my... Uh, appointments with God, my daily encounters this week, we will go to another passage um, that builds on this paradigm. But just before we go there, recognize this. Next week, we're going to say, how do you show respect to a man? What communicates respect to a man? So be thinking about that this week as we prepare for next week's message. 
But let me just give you one other passage to write down. It's 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. 1 Peter 3, 7 says this, and it's only one verse, but packed with wisdom. You husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way, as with someone weaker. It's actually a bad translation, whatever you use there. Use the New American Standard next service. It, it says with a weaker vessel. And, and that word weaker vessel is a Greek word that refers to a piece of pottery. And what it means is like a fragile, valuable vessel. In other words, treat your woman, the women in your life, treat your wife like a precious vessel that's fragile, valuable, like a piece of art glass instead of a piece of Tupperware glass. Do you guys even know what Tupperware is? They don't do that anymore, do they? The older women know this. Okay, yeah, or men. Uh, the rest of you, look it up. Google it. Okay. Google may come up with a question mark. I don't know. But you know, it's not a plastic throwaway glass. It's a, it's a piece of art glass. That's really what that Greek word means. So it doesn't mean that women are weak. It means they're precious. That's why I don't like that translation. Since she is a woman, and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life, so that your prayers will not be hindered. Now there's two more tips for men here. I just don't want you to miss them. Number one is men are to understand her. When women feel that you are going out of your way to understand them, they feel loved. I read a survey, a secular survey of 24,000 couples where they asked men and women, what makes you feel loved? And guess what? Men gave one set of words and women gave a different set of words. You know why? Because God made us different. Don't let the culture in America tell you that men and women are the same. It, de it devalues the uniqueness and the beauty of women, and it devalues the uniqueness and, and beauty of men. But when you look at the list of what women really value, let me, let me read it to you. This is from a secular survey, not from the Bible. Here we go. Women said this, I feel loved and I feel cared for. Number two was understood. Number three was respected. Number four was devotion. Number five was validation, especially of feelings. And number six was reassurance. But just notice the top two were being cared for and understood. And guess what? You look at God's Bible, you look at the Word of God, and ancient truth said, men, here's the deal. Focus on loving her with a sacrificial, caring love. And then make sure that you live with her in an understanding way. And then finally grant her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life. That's the fifth one. I believe these are the five words that the Bible gives men for loving women. And if you study those, there's a reason why they're different than the female side, which I will show you five other words next week for how women love men. And the reason they're different is because God did not create identical sexes we ought to be able to see that even physically but emotionally and at the soul level we are uniquely created by god so if we learn to speak the love language of the other one we're going to have a lot better time now i knew my sermon time would be a little short today so what i did was this i thought how do i give you some very specific tips on what communicates sacrificial love, nourishing, cherishing, understanding, and honor to women. So I gave you my David Letterman top ten list. And I'm going to count them down. And 
give you very little commentary, but here they are. Number 10, I printed them out so you don't have to write them down. They're on the bottom of your sheet. Number 10 is praise her publicly, especially in front of other women. Now, she will tell you not to do this. Ignore her and do it anyway. Number nine, thank her often. Thank her often, especially for things that you've quit thanking her for. Number eight, open doors even when not necessary. And again, our culture says, no, no, this is defaming to women. You should not treat women that way. You know something? You open doors for women anyway, and you see what happens. And if a woman doesn't want to walk through it, say, thank you, ma'am, that's okay. But take me up on it. Number seven, I need to do number eight more often. I'm sorry, honey. Okay, I used to open the car door for her all the time, and then I, I don't know, one day I thought, you know, she's got two hands. But... <laughs> You know, and it's a long way around the car, and she wants to get going. But anyway, uh, anyway, I need to get back to that. W- wait on her patiently. I had to add the word patiently because I'm pretty good at waiting on my wife because I have to. But doing it patiently is when it communicates love. Number six, sacrifice for her. Give no occasion gifts. No occasion gifts. That values. Number five, seek her opinion. Number six, take her advice because you're a team, see. So you can be a leader in your home, which next week you're going to learn that I think men need to be taking leadership in their home, but you can do it. And if you're smart, God gives you a teammate with a whole other set of wise uh, wisdom and perspective. You ought to be asking her opinion. That is a communication of honor. And God says, you honor her as a fellow heir of the grace of life, or I will not hear your prayers. So if you think you want to be a stubborn man that doesn't believe what I'm teaching today, God threatens not to listen to you. That's scary. That's scary. Shows how much God honors women. So honor them. Ask her opinion. Take her advice. Respect her feelings. In fact, this is really radical, but guys even practice it sometimes asking, how do you feel? That's a strange question. But ask it anyway. And value her feelings. Never say, you shouldn't feel that way. Oh, I've said that. Have, have you ever said that, guys? Respect her feelings. Give physical touch, even without sex. Can you give physical touch to your wife and, and whisper in her ear? I'm not asking for anything, but hoping, but asking. (laughs) Number one, listen with eyes and ears. Really listen to her. See, God wants us to learn to love her. Don't give her what you want, guys. Give her what her soul yearns for. And God understands women. Pray with me as the band comes to lead us in a closing song. Father, thank you. Wow, thank you for the wisdom of God when we need it desperately. So, Father, my prayer today is that we go away committed to not following our culture, to not even following perhaps what we learned from our parents but that we go away committed to loving these dear women in our lives, moms, wives, friends, 
loving them with a sacrificial, nourishing, cherishing, listening, and honoring love. We admit that we need the power of your Spirit to do this. So would you fill us with your Spirit and enable us to surprise these women with your kind of love. In Christ's name, amen.